All right, well, good morning to everyone and welcome to the well here at STSA. And whether you're joining us here in Arlington or all the way across over in Leesburg or watching in the comfort of your own home, happy that you're here. And I want to start off by asking a question. I need honest answers right here, no embarrassment. Who in there were kids? like to play with Legos. Anyone like to play with Legos? Like to play with Legos? Okay, so I'm admitting it, okay. I used to love to play with Legos. And when I was a kid, I used to love to build the little houses and the little cars and the little whatever it may be. Now, the problem these days when you say Legos, like this was before, when we were growing up, it was before the Lego movies. It was before like the Lego websites and the Lego fads and what I call the cheat codes. You know the cheat codes now that exist? Like sometimes I go visit someone's house and they got a little kid and a little four-year-old, six-year-old, and he built like this Lego car that like can drive on, on the highway. And I'm like, how did you build that? Like, that's incredible. You're a genius. He's like, no, I just followed the code and I got it from this website or whatever it is. Now there's websites that'll tell you. And to me, I don't know about you, but when we were kids, that's called cheating. Okay. But that's like the thing that everyone does right now. They just find the website with the code, but that's not me. I like to build. And I used to enjoy it. I don't know, maybe it's like the sense of accomplishment that like there's nothing and then I do stuff and there's something and it's there and it sits there and creating something out of nothing makes you feel good. Now, eventually I became an adult and unfortunately playing with Legos was not cool, but I still love the idea of building something out of nothing. That's why for me, I love the DIY videos. Okay, you know those videos that you get? Okay, I'm on all those, web, uh, all those websites. For me, I don't like to spend money in any place, but if someone gives me a $100 card to Home Depot, I'll be a happy, happy person. I'm at the dentist office. I don't watch HGTV ever in my house, but I'm at the dentist office and I am mesmerized and I'm like, take the next person. I gotta see how this thing finishes out right here. And I'm the guy, I'm the guy, okay? I'm the guy, I'm the dad that when I'm driving, and I see construction, I'm like, hey, look, kids, a bulldozer. Hey, look, kids, a crane. And to which my kids are like, dad, we're not six anymore. That's no longer cool. But one of the happiest days of my life, one of the happiest days of my life was when I not only got to see construction, see a bulldozer and a bobcat, but I got to do this one day. That's right, this is one of the happiest days of my life. And I'm intentionally showing you the picture of how it began and not how it concluded, okay? Because the end picture of when I had to exit the machine was much different than the beginning of the machine. But the bottom line is, there's something about building something from nothing, something that will last, something that you can go punch out at the end of the day and say, that wasn't there a minute ago, I rolled up my sleeves, I did something, and now that exists and that lasts. Eventually, as much as I enjoyed driving the Bobcat this one day, I did not go into construction. I went into the priesthood instead. And while you might think that I was no longer able to play with construction and building, actually couldn't be further from the truth because now I started building something different. And now I'm in the field of building the kingdom of God. And I'm not alone in that. If you're a member of this church family, if you're a member of the family of God, then you also are a kingdom of God builder as well. Now here's the thing with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, follow me here, is not a physical kingdom, but it exists in a physical world. Did you catch that? The kingdom of God is not a physical kingdom, but it does exist in a physical world. You say, what does that mean? Well, it's the same way like God himself. Our God is an incarnational God. Our God, God is flesh or God is spirit. God is spirit. So Jesus said in John chapter four, he spoke to the Samaritan woman. God is spirit, 
But God exists in the physical world because he took flesh. He, took, he became incarnate. That's why we're able to celebrate the Eucharist and receive his body and blood, which is a heavenly food as a piece of the kingdom of God, but in a physical manifestation of it. The kingdom of God, which we are building, is not a physical kingdom. However, it exists and it is manifest and it is built in the physical world. I'll give you some examples. Go back to the book of Exodus. Okay, when God gave the people of Israel the commandments, Exodus chapter 24, chapter 25, God said, if you're going to be my people, and you're going to be part of my kingdom, it's an invisible kingdom, okay, because we don't own any land, and we don't have any buildings, but to be part of my kingdom, and he gave them the 10 commandments, and he gave them all the laws, and he gave them all the rituals. And it says this in Exodus 24, verse 3 through 7. It says, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said, we will do. Then he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. So you would say, okay, perfect. They got the law. God said to be my children. It's this. They said, we accept, we will do it. So now you're members of the kingdom. Now you're members of the kingdom of God. Now you're part of his eternal family. So what is the next logical thing? If you are part of the kingdom, what's the next logical? Chapter 25, verse eight. Then let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. The next logical thing was a manifestation of what invisibly took place earlier, a physical manifestation of an invisible truth. The same happened a few years later, okay, when King David came and wanted to build the temple. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 1 through 3 says, Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in the house that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go into all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. David said, Something doesn't sit right with I got a permanent home and God doesn't. You want to say, David, God is spirit. And you want to say, Moses, God is spirit. He doesn't need physical and the answer is absolutely God doesn't need physical, but God, our God is incarnational. He likes to express spiritual truths in physical ways. He likes to express things which are invisible, invisible, tangible, touchable kind of ways. That's why Moses, when he built the tabernacle, didn't think like, you know what? Like, it'd be cool. Like, let's do something artistic. And let's like, it'll be really convenient to have a tabernacle right here. Or you know what? Like it'll chance to show off. No, no, no. Moses knew and the people knew we are building the kingdom of God. Like we're not just here because it'll be cool to have this big ark thing. We are here because God has commanded us and we are the kingdom of God. So we have to build this thing. Same with David. He wasn't building a nice to have. He's saying, if God is going to dwell amongst us, then he needs a physical home to dwell amongst us because we are physical people and we understand things in the physical world. They didn't think they were building a nice to have. They knew what they were doing was building the house for the king, which makes it a piece of the kingdom. And that's why I say this. This is a kind of our key thought here for today. I would say the greatest investment, Moses would say this, David would say this, and I say the greatest investment I can make is in building the kingdom of God. The greatest investment of my time is invested in building the kingdom of God. My money, building the kingdom of God. And when all is said and done, my life, my legacy, when all is said and done and we're six feet under or we are a billion miles up above, whatever it is, I want to know the best thing that I can do with my life is invest it in building something that lasts beyond it. And that is in building the kingdom of God. Now, of course, of course, the kingdom of God, as I've been saying over and over, is not a physical kingdom. 
So you can build the, the kingdom of God in a non-physical way. So I'm not saying that it has to be in buildings. And I'm, that's what we've been doing for the past 10 years. We've been investing in the kingdom of God by loving our neighbor, by loving our enemy, genuine love for the community. When we invite people to church, when we share the good news, when we spread the gospel, we are building the kingdom of God. So I'm not taking away from that. That's who we are and that's who we will always be. But what I'm saying, listen carefully me, to me here, is that every now and then, every now and then, God provides us a unique once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to build something special. We will always build the spiritual kingdom of God. We will always invest in people because that's who we are as a church. That's what we've been talking about for the past six weeks, that we are more than a building. But every now and then, God provides us with a unique opportunity, provides me and you with a unique opportunity to do something special, something that's once in a lifetime, something that will last beyond us. And obviously what I'm talking about, in case you live under a rock, what I'm talking about is that now we have an opportunity to build a physical